Hello everybody. How are you all doing today? Yes, let's talk about today. How is today? How are you getting through it? Was it tough till now <laughs> or is it going easy breezy today? How are you coping up with the thoughts that are crossing your mind for millions of times since the morning? And I don't know on which day you are going to listen this, but if it's weekend, then happy weekend. <laughs> and if it's just some other day, you are going to pull it off anyway, right? <laughs> and how is the weather there? Because here it is raining very beautifully. There are just mild drizzles. And I'm just sitting uh, in my balcony on a wooden chair with a copper water bottle beside me. And I just cannot take my eyes off rain. And what did you have for food today? What was your first meal actually of the day? What was it? Because that is very important. <laughs> it is going to decide how your day is going to be right yes so what was it <laughs> was it too much pepper on it or was it too much sweet or was it the exact same way the way you wanted it to be you might be wondering why am i talking too much today <laughs> I don't know, I'm just in a very chatty mood right now and uh, I'm just very happy right now for no reason. It doesn't need a reason, right? Because sometimes when you're angry or sometimes when you are in no mood, there are times when you have no reason for it. Like, it's, you are reasonless, moodless. In that way, you should be reasonless happy and I am that today <laughs> yeah so coming up with the book currently we are reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson so grab your coffee or tea I prefer tea by the way the ginger one and plug in your earphones and uh, yes it's comfort yourself i don't know what you're doing are you in a bus are you like traveling somewhere or are you driving somewhere or are you just sitting in a balcony or in your bed and uh, listening to this or are you actually having a book like you're having this book and you're just gazing on it and listening to the audiobook with it I don't know, but comfort yourself, whatever you're doing, because we are going to start from where we left last. We completed chapter number three last time that was on page that ended on page number 62. So today we are starting from page number 63 and chapter four. That is the value of suffering.
in the closing months of 1944 after almost a decade of war the tide was turning against japan their economy was floundering their military overstretched across half of asia and the territories they had won throughout the pacific were now toppling like dominoes to us forces defeat seemed inevitable on december 26 1944 second lieutenant hiro onoda of the japanese imperial army was deployed to the small island of lubang in the philippines his orders were to slow the united states progress as much as possible to stand and fight at all costs and to never surrender both he and his commander knew it was essentially a suicide mission in february 1945 the americans arrived on lubang and took the island with overwhelming force within days most of the japanese soldiers had either surrendered or been killed but onoda and three of his men managed to hide in the jungle from there they began a guerrilla warfare campaign against the us forces and the local population attacking supply lines shooting at stray soldiers and interfering with american forces in any way that they could on that year that august half a year later the united states dropped atomic bombs on the cities of hiroshima and nagasaki japan surrendered and the deadliest war in human history came to its dramatic conclusion however thousands of japanese soldiers were still scattered among the pacific isles and most like onoda were hiding in the jungle unaware that the war was over these holdouts continued to fight and pillage as they had before this was a real problem for rebuilding eastern asia after the war and the governments agreed something must be done the us military in conjunction with japanese government dropped thousands of leaflets throughout the pacific region announcing that the war was over and it was time for everyone to go home Anoda and his men like many others found the read sorry found and read the leaflets but unlike most of others Anoda decided that they were fake a trap set by american forces to get the guerrilla fighters to show themselves Anoda burned the leaflets and he and his men stayed hidden and continued to fight five years went by the leaflets had stopped and most of the american forces had long since gone home the local population of lebang attempted to return to their normal lives of farming and fishing yet there were hero onoda and his merry men still shooting at the farmers burning their crops stealing their livestock and murdering locals who wandered too far into the jungle The Philippine government then took to dropping up new flyers and spreading them out across the jungle. Come out. They said, "The war is over. You lost." But this too <laughs> were ignored. 
1952, the Japanese government made one final effort to draw the last remaining soldiers out of hiding throughout the Pacific. This time, letters and pictures from the missing soldiers' family were airdropped, along with a personal note from the Imperial himself. Once again, Onoda refused to believe that the information was real. Once again, he believed the airdrop to be a trick by the Americans. Once again, he and his men stood and continued to fight. Another few years went by the Philippine locals, sick of being terrorized, finally armed themselves and began firing back. In 1952, one of Onoda's companions had surrendered and another had been killed. Then, a decade later, Onoda's last companion, a man called Kozuka, was killed in a shootout with the local police while he was burning ice fields. I'm sorry, burning rice fields. Still waging war against the local population a full quarter century after the end of World War II. Onoda, having now spent more than half of his life in the jungles of Lubang, was all alone. In 1972, the news of Kozuka's death reached Japan and caused a stir. The Japanese people thought the last of the soldiers from the war had come home years earlier. The Japanese media began to wonder if Kozuka had still been on Lubang until 1972, then perhaps Onoda himself the last known Japanese holdout from World War II might still be alive as well. That year, both the Japanese and Philippine governments sent search parties to look for the enigmatic second lieutenant, now part myth, part hero, and <laughs> part ghost. They found nothing. As the months progressed, the story of Lieutenant Onoda morphed into something of an urban legend in Japan. The war hero who sounded too insane to actually exist. Many romanticized him, others criticized him, others thought he was the stuff of fairy tale invented by those who still wanted to believe in the Japan that had <laughs> disappeared long ago. It was around this time that a young man named Norio Suzuki first heard of Onoda. Suzuki was an adventurer, an explorer and a bit of a hippie. Born after the war ended, he had dropped out of school and spent four years hitchhiking his way across Asia, the Middle East and Africa, sleeping on park benches in strangers' cars, in jail cells and under the stars. He volunteered on farms for food and donated blood to pay for places to stay. He was a free spirit and perhaps <laughs> a little bit nuts. In 1972, Suzuki needed another adventure. He had returned to Japan after his travels and found the strict cultural norms and social 
hierarchy to be stifling he hated school he couldn't hold down a job he wanted to be back on the road back on his own again for suzuki the legend of hero onoda came as the answer to his problems it was a new and worthy adventure for him to pursue suzuki believed that he would be the one who would find onoda sure search parties conducted by the japanese philippine and american governments had not been able to find onoda local police forces had been scavenging the jungle for almost 30 years with no luck thousands of leaflets had met with no response but fuck it this dead bit college dropout hippie was going to be the one to find him unarmed and untrained for any sort of recognizance or tactical warfare suzuki traveled to lubong and began wandering around the jungle all by himself his strategy scream onoda's name really loudly and tell him that the emperor was worried about him he found onoda in four days <laughs> Suzuki stayed with Onoda in the jungle for some time. Onoda had been alone by the point of over a year and once found by Suzuki, he welcomed the companionship and was desperate to learn what had been happening in the outside world from a Japanese source he could trust. The two men became sort of kind of friends. Suzuki asked Onoda why he had stayed and continued to fight. Onoda said it was simple. He had been given the order to never surrender, so he stayed. For nearly 30 years, he had simply been following an order. Onoda then asked Suzuki why a hippie boy like himself came looking for him. Suzuki said that He had left Japan in search of three things: Lieutenant Onoda, a panda bear, and the abominable snowman. In that order, the two men had been brought together under the most curious of circumstances. Two well-intentioned adventurers chasing false visions of glory. like a real life japanese don kyuzoti and sancho panza pardon me if i pronounce the names as wrong this is me speaking not the author yeah both imagining themselves heroes despite both being alone with nothing doing nothing Onoda had already by then given up most of his life to a phantom war. Suzuki would <laughs> give his up too. Having already found Hiro Onoda and the panda bear, he would die a few years later in Himalayas, still in search of the uh, abominable snowman. Yeah. Humans often choose to dedicate large portions of their lives to seemingly useless or destructive causes. On the surface, these causes make no sense. 
it's hard to imagine how onoda could have been happy on the island for those 30 years living of insects and rodents sleeping in the dirt murdering civilians decade after decade or why should suzuki dragged off to his own death with no money no companions and no purpose other than to chase an imaginary yeti yet later in his life onoda said he regretted nothing he claimed that he was proud of his choices and his time on lubok he said that it had been an honor to devote a sizable portion of his life in service to a non-existent empire suzuki had he survived uh, likely would have said something similar that he was doing exactly what he was meant to do that he regretted nothing this man both chose how they wished to suffer hiro onoda chose to suffer for loyalty to a dead empire suzuki chose to suffer for adventure no matter how ill advised to both men the suffering meant something it fulfilled some greater cause and because it meant something they were able to endure it or perhaps uh, even enjoy it if suffering is inevitable if our problems in life are unavoidable then the question we should be asking is not how do i stop suffering but why am i suffering for what purpose Hiro Onoda returned to Japan in 1974 and became a kind of celebrity in his home country. He was shuttled around from talk show to radio stations. Politicians clamored to shake his hand. He published a book and was even offered a large sum of money by the government. But what he found when he returned to Japan horrified him. A consumerist capitalist superficial culture that had lost all the traditions of honor and sacrifice upon which his, his generation had been raised onoda tried to use his sudden celebrity to espouse the values of old japan but he was stone deaf to this new society he was seen more as a showpiece than as a serious cultural thinker a japanese man who had emerged from a time capsule for all to marvel at like a relic in a museum and in the irony of ironies onoda became far more depressed than he had ever been in the jungle for all those years at least in the jungle his life had stood for something it had meant something that had made his suffering endurable indeed even a bit sorry a little bit desirable but back in japan in what he considered to be a vicious nation full of hippies and loose women in western clothing he was confronted with the unavoidable truth that his fighting had meant nothing the japan had lived and fought for no longer existed 
and the weight of his realization burst him in a way that no bullet ever had because his suffering had meant nothing it suddenly became realized and true 30 years wasted and so in 1980 onoda packed up and moved to brazil where he remained until he died